Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald, the Executive Pastor of Transformation Church. Uh, with me again today is Lead Pastor uh, Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? Good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're pumped today on the microphone. Uh, everybody from the 313... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Is uh, John Sapp. Half stat. Half st- <laughs> Be all <laughs> half stacks back, okay. half stacks back, <laughs> half stacks back. Bars, um, <laughs> bars. John Sapp, creative director for Transformation Church, uh, is on the microphone uh, with us today. Yeah, and we're we're uh, we're pretty pumped, man. Pumped. Coming off a good day. Part two of the Better Now series was this past Sunday, and yes, it was. and uh, it's going well, man. The, the Better Now series. John, we got to talk about your bumper, man. Oh, yeah. um, so if you have not had the luxury, if you had not had the opportunity to witness greatness in the form of film, uh, you can go check out John's short film that he made for the Better Now series uh, on YouTube or on our church page or whatever. Uh, and also, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Sunday Sermon, feel free to check that out while you're there. You can go to TransformationChurch.com and uh, click on Media. No, it's on the feed. If you're listening uh, to this, wherever you got this from, go down one. Yeah, yeah. well, we were talking about the video. <laughs> oh, the video. Yeah, we I thought you the, said to listen to. No, no. To, to check out the, all, the, all uh, that we have there. So John's bumper was, was pretty good. I mean, Eli and Aaron, the whoa. Sh- the shorts were right? nasty. John, tell me your thoughts when you first witnessed them in their attire. Like, All right, so let's go to the very beginning for a second. <laughs> so... From the creative standpoint, as far as like putting it together, I was thinking of it in like a '70s theme, right? And if you if you have watched any uh, of the '70s shows, like back in the day, or, or even, even that '70s even show, that '70s show, right? Or even if you like, oh my god, Eli was Eric from that '70s show. Mm, he was really, pretty close. It's close to Eric. Yeah, I might have to do a side by side. Sorry. All continue. Right. Well, anyway, so um, <clears throat> if you if you see any of that, normally what you would know we would you would see is a uh, athletic wearing person from the '70s. So the short shorts. The T-shirt, tube socks, the tube socks, headband. and and the sneakers and the headband and yep. the and the wristbands and all those. Yes. Um, and so when I was putting it together, I was like, "All right, well, I want this to be '70s themed." So I, that's why I made the graphic that way. And um, when putting the uh, video together, I was thinking to myself, "Who would look the most outrageous? Outrageous in these <laughs> in these outfits?" And for whatever reason, immediately just came to me the Fitches. You know, that's with an F. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In case y'all are listening at one and a half speed. <laughs> Fitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aaron and Eli Fitch. Um, they also have a brother Christian, but well, I would just he just didn't seem like the the type. Right. right so right. I was like, I think I'm just gonna use uh, those two brothers, and they and it, it was it turned out great. So that was kind of my thought process with that. Um, and the, and what a lot of people don't know is like where did you, like some people come up to me on Sunday they're like where did you film this like <laughs> what how did you where did, where did you go and I was like well so yeah. we actually did film it at the Elbow Room here in Pensacola and in the Elbow Room it's kind of like a pub slash pizza pizza place but it's more so a pub like 
people come in there to drink. It's kind of like a bar. It's a bar. It's a bar for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so when we go to shoot it, like there are literally, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny spot, but there's this literally like at every wall, a beer poster or, um, you know, a light that has like, you know, Bud yeah, Light. A or neon Budweiser. Ne- yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like when I was, when I was shooting it, I asked the lady that so graciously allowed us to shoot in there. If we could like cover some stuff up or, um, you know, whatever, and she she said it was cool. So, uh, if you if you look in the if you watch the bumper, you'll see a um, flannel shirt over a lighted box, and basically that was a Bud Light box. And <clears throat> whenever <laughs> whenever uh, we put it on there and shot, we shot the side that had uh, the Dolly Parton um, uh, pinball machine. I don't know if you if, I don't know if you notice it or not, but you'd have to like really pay attention. <laughs> but any, anyway, um, when I shot it, I shot it in angles where I had to go. I had to pan up and down because I couldn't pan left to right, or else you'd see everything that was in there. So, yeah, and like that one back area in the in the in the uh, elbow room is seventies themed. Like everything back in that one corner, which is like less than fifty feet wide. Is like that's they probably haven't changed anything since the seventies. They haven't, yeah. and that's that's one of the reasons why the the owner of it now loved it so much because when she bought it, she was like, "I'm keeping everything the same." So, um, <laughs> I got so many jokes right now, but I'm not going to say them. <laughs> well, I you know, I didn't even know the place was still open. Yeah, it doesn't open until four o'clock every day. Yeah, it looks sketchy. It's weird. Like I need my gun to. <laughs> Pulling that well, part and not only that, when you walk in there, which I, I feel like I did a pretty good job with like keeping the other lighting from like hindering what we were doing. But if you walk in there, it's dark and only red. So there's only red light in there. That's weird. It feels like Stranger Things. Like- well, it is close to the red light district of Pensacola. <laughs> <Hey>, <laughs> anyway, so that was my thought process on that. It uh, ended up turning out pretty decent. That's and the good. Fitches... Uh, Aaron and Eli did pull it off the awkwardness just and, fine. Uh, awesome job, good. yeah. So yeah, super awkward. So and it was good. I my favorite like you, the pan of Eli is hilarious, but the pan of Aaron is even funnier. And then the USA shirt, like yeah. the whole thing is just like thing. so perfect. So uh, if there yeah. there is like the other side of that. There is a an undertone of Napoleon Dynamite. I could see that. So that was the, that was the other thing I wanted to kind of pull out with this uh, bumper. We and, have some weird tots. So that's a great movie. It, it, well, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty great. It's quite the movie. Oh, it's great. So, so uh, but yeah, we are in part two, Better Now series, and it was it, it a good day. We've um, kind of moved into the next portion of what we're talking about. And the whole, the whole idea of the better now series is really talking about relationships. Um, and you know, we launched our small group semester, which we're having, having record setting numbers, uh, for small groups right now, which is phenomenal. Um, that's really cool. So yeah, we're, we're pumped about that because we always aim to be a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. Um, and so for us, our mentality is our hope is that Sunday is just the day that everyone that's in small groups comes together to one location to, to worship together. But, um, you know, we, our, our goal is that every single person at TC is in a small group. And so we're, we're moving in that direction. Um, and pumped, man. It's, it's some cool things happening. We're excited about it. So, yeah. Um, and in small groups is where um, you kind of build a relationship. One of the quotes we use from Sunday um, 
Eric Mason says that grace creates an environment for truth to be heard. Grace creates an environment for truth to be heard. Justin, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with this. <laughs> so, so yeah. What are your what like, like what do y'all what do y'all's takes on that? Because I don't. You guys both. I mean, we've all been saved long enough, right? And so I think that we've all experienced kind of a law based or a law approach to God. So, I, I mean, I, you, obviously they go hand in hand, you know? So, I mean, and that's something we're going to get into with even the, the, the scripture and the story and, and all that with, with Jesus. But I mean, I mean, for someone to truly hear the, hear truth, there has to be a level of grace. Right. So I, I, I do, I mean, just from a church context, like, you know, we tell people to come as you are. You have to have a grace for that because you never know what you're going to get. And that al- <laughs> and that allows them Facts. and then that allows them to hear truth, like right. go and sin no more or, right, or right, you know, right, like right. Jesus said. So, um, I mean, I agree with it because I, I think it's a must. Now, surely there are environments that exist where there's only truth. Right. It's only truth or, yep. or, or only grace, you know? So, um, and I, and I think that's what we're seeing now, this grace I, I was going to say like too much grace, but I don't know. That that's what I mean. But um, so, like a hyper grace message. Yeah, where where you even you where people are overlooking certain lifestyles or sin, just from the from the angle of uh, you know, it's it's a, there's grace there. So sure. I can I don't have to marry this person. I can stay living with them forever because like that's just a great like I'm in grace. So it's you know what I'm saying. Does that yeah. make sense? So. Um, yeah, I think there's I think there's both sides. There's legalism, and then there's then there which is just all truth, and then there's some that's just all grace. I think they have to go hand in hand for for real a real gospel type message, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What's your experience, John? What do you think? Um, well, I was just gonna add kind of to that a little bit. I mean, we we say here at TC that you belong before you believe <clears throat> in church. We do. And in order for that to be a truth, there has to be a level of grace to that. You know, like we as people have to have a level of grace for people to come in that are sinners, that, that do have, um, that, that their lives are messed up and that they are a certain way. And we yeah, have to. And it, it's crazy that even in that conversation sometimes though, it's like, you know, like when sinners come in and in, in quotation marks, it's like we come in every week. Yeah. We're, uh, we're all sinners. You know, but yeah. it's like, but it's, it's just funny with, with church people. And I know it's not what you I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm going further down what you're saying. It's like sometimes church people, they just become so truth almost. It's so, so much. It's like when the sinner walks in, we have to welcome them. It's like, bro, you just walked in. Like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, no, like, like technically we all, why are, are they are worse? Sinners, yeah. You know, um, you know, and that's, and that's, and that's why, I mean, we're, we were just before we went live here, you know, we're talking about some people in our church that are, that are new that we know, right. That we, yeah. we know that they're new and we know people that are connected to them and hearing their story. Um, and, and I'm thinking of the, the couple, uh, another couple that I met, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, it's like had talking to one of the couple, you know, uh, never been in like church or I say never, never in the last 10, 12, 15 years. Sure. Um, and it was just like, they felt this different thing. It's like, because I mean, so many churches, unfortunately people walk into like, you get the look, like if you're like the, the look, like who's this right. person? Why? Oh my God. You dress a certain way. A certain way, right. haircut, certain you know, way, and, and we, you know. and we, you know, we, we almost welcome. I mean, I, as a, I say, we, as a, as a, as the church should, should welcome 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. where where our church is located? I mean, we're in the Brownsville area of Pensacola, known for drugs. Our part part of it is known for drugs, yeah. prostitution, and all these things. The like, highest point of prostitution, uh, yeah. especially prostitution. But like to like walk in on Sunday, come in. Like it's yeah. okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, no I think matter, a lot of churches. No I think a lot of churches make that like political. Like a lot of a lot of people in churches that well, should say make that like a. I, a I think the I think it's easy to do because I I feel like with a, for for churches it's it's for not for I'm gonna well let's get off church let's talk about Christians yes, yes. I think it's Christians. easy for Christians because if you accept something you feel like everyone's gonna think you're approving something so if if a if a homosexual person comes to our church and we accept them then we're telling the world that at our church we approve of something mm-hmm. uh, and and. Or or whatever the case is, if we ex- if if we allow if we allow um, a prostitute to walk in, then it's like we're telling the world that we approve prostitution, and and that's just not the case, you know. And we put on pe- a pedestal certain sins, like we forget the pride issue of the other person, like that's okay, or yeah. um, you know, it, it's it's stuff you point out. But I think that's I think that's easy to do, and and it's easy for Christians. I think human nature is we go inward, right? So if if you don't if you're not intentional about other people. Even us, the three of us, as much as we are a part of a church that we lead and we get to determine a lot of the culture yeah. and what, what the church looks like and feels like and smells like, but if we weren't intentional, even us would do that. We would only be mm-hmm. with each other and and before you know it. And so I, It's not like a, a slight, you know, I'm not trying to like jab at, at Christians or other churches that, that don't do that. I think it's easy to do. You just have to be aware of it yeah. and, 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 and fight against that urge to, yeah, at some point, at some point, you know, people that when they first get saved, like how zealous overzealous oh, yeah. a lot of people are and True. especially all of us worked around student ministry you, you had those kids <laughs> yeah. that like get saved and then it's like it's, out. it's yeah and it's yeah. really cool but it, not just teenagers but you know they get just they're just so on it but over time it's like as the years go by there's less and less in that and it's just more of it's more of like a us it's more of a it's about us it's just inward you know so yeah. yes to answer your question I do agree with the statement because I think you ha- it has to go hand in hand. If not, you're you're really missing something. Mm-hmm. I think I think that Christians in general, and this I think people in general, and Christians do this too. Therefore, Christians in general, um, I think we fall uh, prey to generalized affiliations so quickly. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, if um, you know, if if hypothetically, man name. Um, you know, Gary walks into our church on Sunday, um, and maybe he's living a homosexual lifestyle. Like that's you know, maybe perhaps that's the uh, where he is in his life right now. Um, to to walk up to him, uh, to Gary, to shake his hand, to hug him, to welcome him, to tell him about our, our the free coffee that we have available, to put him in an environment where people can love him because he's a human being that God created, and to uh put him in an environment where he can safely hear the gospel where he's not being beaten, you know, beaten up on or judged or what have you, but just to hear the gospel. Um, I think far too many Christians take that and they create a broad spectrum affiliation that right now we condone, like, because our first message to Gary wasn't, you do know that you're going to go to hell, right? Because that wasn't our first statement. Mm -hmm. We condone like every spectrum of life. It's like anecdotal in a sense. Yeah. Uh, But the, 
here's and here's the thing like not that we meant to get like but with the homosexual issue right what's funny is i definitely don't want to go deeper in what i'm the first part of what i'm about to say um but most christians believe that is a choice that they're choosing yet refuse to allow the opportunity for them to make the right choice if it's a choice and it's wrong they won't let them in the doors though to preach the gospel for them to make the right choice and leave the wrong one behind. Right. Yeah. They would rather just leave. You know what I'm saying? So, um, not going down whether it's a choice, but that, that whole statement is like, they're afraid of it. It's like, you know, like one, it's not going to rub off on you. You can talk to them and shake their hand and hug them. Like that's what you're afraid of. Right. Right. No, for real. I mean, that's real. real real. Like if, but if it is a choice and we as Christians believe it's the wrong one, then, Shouldn't we like swing our doors wide open and allow them to come in to at least give the to present grace and truth for them to make the right one? What a thought! And it just, I, you what know, a thought. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. That's why I said I think this broad broad spectrum affiliation with all that is for people it's hard to separate. But we also as Christians gotta stop picking and choosing what's the the sins that are bad and that we harp Aww, on. Oh snap! Right, like yeah. you know, homosexuality being a sin, like. But we overlook the couples in the church that are straight that are having premarital sex. Like it's still a, it's the same. That's the same sin there. You know. Yeah. Um. There's just there's, there's no. We just we got to call out. I do think we have to call out sin. That's what some churches say is we got to call out sin. It's like yeah, you're right. You are right. We and we should. But when you start label like you know. Well, the problem is, and it goes back to I think it's a theological thing. I, I, there's layers to this part of the conversation. But it goes back to the basic idea that if you're dead in sin, you do not know that you are dead in sin. Like, so this idea, like, so for example, to blast someone because of their sin, but, but not preach the gospel that could awaken them, right? To bring, breathe life into them of their need for salvation. Like we're, 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 (laughs) we're putting the, the chicken before the egg here, like yeah. the cart before the horse. Like, no, 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 get him in. Talk to him about Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit do his job in bringing them to the Father, opening their eyes to the need of grace and mercy, and at the cross, the areas of our life that need to change through the Word of God are revealed, and in that, we now make changes. But we don't make changes so that we can hear the gospel. We hear the gospel and turn it it helps us, myself included, to this day and will be for the rest of my life and make changes to become more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Whether that means laying down, you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever, or whether it means a lifestyle, you know, that, that is contrary to the word of God, like whatever it is. And that's the whole point. That's, that's why I love Carl Lentz's position on this. And, you know, I'm, I'm not like obsessed with Carl Lentz. I'm not, you know, I, I don't hate him. You know, I just, I, but I like, I like Hillsong's position on this, that you're not going to catch them making definitive statements on national television yeah. about where they stand on stuff like homosexuality. You know, he's saying he's, he, his constant is like, we have a stance on love and we have conversations about everything else and people keep trying to get trap him. They're trying right. to trap him into make, making a broad spectrum statement because people, especially Christians, love broad spectrum affiliations. Okay, so you're part of that camp. Okay. Well, and it's like, no, you're not going to pin me down in a camp. Like, and you're and not, not only that, that like if you read his book, like I just read this page yesterday out of his book. So coincidentally. So you, you kept about, going on own the moment? 
I went back yesterday. So I finished the book I was on and I went back and on the moment I started reading some again. That's good. I feel like I'm going to go through that book very slowly, like a chapter at a time and then go to something else. Um, but he talks about like him and his wife, like counseling, like when they talk to people before they get married, that type of thing. Um, as pastors, giving advice, whatever, whatever. But he talks about what they do. He doesn't say, he just talks about what you're saying is they want to be known what they're for, not what they're against. So yeah. he talks about that they counsel, like, you you know, you should not have sex until you're married. And we believe marriage is between a man and a woman. That alone covers what he believes. Yet he goes on these interviews and they want to trap him into saying, I believe homosexuality is a sin or I'm okay with it. They want that. You know, a lot of times, yeah. especially these interviews, you're on more left-leaning type show. He was on sure, The View, totally, yeah. which yeah. is um, a bunch of pretty uh, much uh, almost liberal every, women. Every and, media outlet nowadays. Right. So, so they're trying to get him, and then they want that to be a further discussion on, you know, and he just refuses. Yeah. And, and then the and then when he refuses, the Christians then start bashing him for not taking a stance. And he is taking a stance. He's yeah. just not... I mean, he just has said it so beautifully, in my opinion. Like, you know, and and, and and there's a lot of Christians that have views on homosexuality and what you think about it until your son comes up gay or someone close to you. Once you have someone close to you, your perspective changes some. Yeah. And, and, but he, he, I like what he talks about. I was like, I'm not, we're going to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, someone's going to know I love them and then through the word lead them to what's right. And then, then it's up to them to still make the decision, but yeah. to just make a definitive statement. Um, but, you have to look at everything he's saying because his stance on homosexuality is clear, in my opinion. Yeah, total. I agree. He just hasn't. Meant, he didn't say what you wanted him to say, right? Or the way you wanted him to say. And it. I, I totally agree. And I think that's the whole thing. You know, I think that you know, for him, he's using his words wisely. He's strategic. He knows what he's saying, but he's like I said, he's he's not going to get pinned down into some sort of camp or whatever, um, because the world is riddled with. Plenty of Christians and plenty of believers and plenty of these people that have taken such a law-based approach to religion. I mean, Carl Lentz is is well aware. Now, I don't think his his theology lines up with where mine is in regards to the process of salvation. Um, But even from, from my perspective... Again, like if someone is dead in their trespass, if they're they're blinded to their need of grace because of sin, then trying to correct their sin will not unblind them. Yeah. Like Mm. the unblinding shows us the change that needs to happen. And that only happens through the gospel. So start giving people the gospel um, and, and giving them the life that's available to them in Christ and you, I, or whoever else, me, and even Carl Lentz could sit down and disagree on what that process looks like. But every believer has to come to the grip, like come to grips with the fact that if well, someone shifts their, th- their salvation position, um, it's only going to come from the gospel first. Well, we love to, we love to try to help people like fix things, like, Stop doing stop doing this. Act a different way and that'll make you holier or yeah. that'll make you more Christ like. Not true. And you know, that's like the easy that's the easy way or the, the most obvious way. Yeah. You know, if this is a sin and you do it, just stop doing it and, mm-hmm. and now you're you know, it's just a it's a it's a, a better Christian or whatever. Right, right. It's just a it's a Because I think a, that I think that our character aligning with Christ does help us become more Christ like. Like I think of course, that that's of a course. thing, you know. But I don't think that, you know, we're not better Christians you know, or, you know, like it's, we don't follow the law better or what it's just that we don't, it doesn't boil down to that. And that was, that was where the original question came from though. Because you could like going back to the whole conversation though, like 
the person could quote unquote stop being gay and still go to hell. Fact. Right? So it's like they could stop and it's weird because like being gay, they could stop doing things like that, stop living a lifestyle of homosexuality right, and yeah. still go to hell yeah. totally right so yeah. so um and that's yeah and that he, was that was what I, we had a lady in our church prime example she came up to me and she uh totally distraught and you know she had just found out that one of her family members was gay and she said how do i tell him that he's going to go to hell because he's gay and i said don't you dare tell him that because that's not true and she was very, t- older lady, mid-50s, very taken back. She was like, well, what are you talking about? The Bible is clear. I was like, I said, you're, you're, you're misunderstanding what the gospel comes to do in our life. Yeah. Like, so he's, he's not going to go to hell because he's gay. Right. He's going to go to hell because he, he hasn't put his faith in Christ, repented and put his faith in Jesus. Like, he needs the gospel. He doesn't need behavior modification he needs the gospel. The gospel will do its work in us as we are discipled. But he's like, so if he goes to hell, it's because he doesn't have Jesus. It's not because he's like, so, right. so if he stopped, like what you're saying, if he all of a sudden decides tomorrow, he's going to be straight. However you believe about that out there, listener decision, born this way, whatever. But if you all, if someone were to all of a sudden go from gay to straight, but they still don't have Jesus, hell is still their destination, which means that, the homosexual lifestyle is wasn't the pendulum no. by which things swung. Like it, well, it's all about the gospel. You, you know, have you? It's funny that you had that come up to you and that that issue, like with the woman distraught. And, and I understand, totally. you know, when you come from a you know being told your whole life. But you know, I don't know that I've ever experienced uh, someone in church come up to me crying and like I found out my son was sleeping with his girlfriend. He's going to hell. And it says like, hey, let's pray for you know he's sleeping with his girlfriend. It's not cool, you know. No, no. But it's almost like that. That's that's somehow kind of okay, right? You know, right, no right, one's totally. no one's freaking out that my son's going to hell, like that woman was yeah. convinced he's going to hell because quote unquote he's gay. But how many kids your parents find out they're man? Premarital listen, sex, but it's yeah. like, wait a second now, or whatever the case is. Because again, like, welcome to the Bible Belt, man. Where you don't need Jesus, you just need enough of church to get you to heaven. <sighs> So it's like you can send your emails. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but that's my point though, is yeah. it's like all, so many people believe and, and you know, it's, it's one of the things uh, that I love about Tim Keller because it's almost a very fluent message that comes out of him and so many others. It's not just Tim Keller, but it's one of the reasons why I continue. Like it's just a, con- he constantly helps bring the message back to center, which is you don't need more of religion and you don't need more of law and you don't, you need more of the gospel and even believers continue to need the gospel. We see Paul preaching to believers in the new Testament, just as he was preaching to unbelievers um, because the gospel is still applicable. Why? Because we still have broken lenses by which we even view this stuff through where we try to put truth and law on a pedestal and we try to make everyone conform to like the laws of religion but but don't allow for grace and the gospel to be the counterweight to our decision making Mm. and so we have to allow um grace and grace is not a permission to sin grace is the unmerited favor of god um and we have to allow that grace to step in and say i'm going to give you favor 
whether you're sleeping with someone you're not married to and you're in a heterosexual or straight relationship or homosexual like we're talking about or just take it completely out of this conversation and you're going to talk about drug addiction, alcoholism, pornography or let's swing it into a whole nother thing and we can talk about bigotry and hatred and racism and we can talk Ayo. about arrogance and unforgiveness and all of these things that have the ability to separate us from God because they're part of a sinful nature. All of these things are sin. All of these things pull us away from God. And in his grace, through Jesus on the cross, gave us a way to step back into his presence. So regardless of whether or not you have a problem with um, you know, backbiting, bitterness, bigotry, hatred, uh, whether you have a gossiping problem. I've watched gossip kill more people in the church than homosexuality ever mm, will. So good. like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we say that. So like we can rattle off the list of all these things that are sinful that we turn a blind eye to. The reality is all of them should succumb to Jesus in our life and we should kill all of those things. Uh, we should kill them all off to become more like Christ. Yeah. And as we do that, we are stepping into more and more grace. And as we step into grace, and that's what the whole point of Sunday was, as we step into grace, we now can receive truth that says, okay, now that you've been forgiven, here are the areas of your life that need to change. Not, keep in mind, the gospel is not change these things so that you can receive forgiveness and grace. The gospel is through Jesus on the cross, you can receive forgiveness and grace. And because of that, now these are areas of our life and your life that need to change. And in a pursuit after Jesus, we change them because we are Christians, Christ, like Christians. So um, that's the gospel. And that is how grace and truth are introduced. But truth is a real thing. So after, you know, that first half of this thing talking about like, <laughs> right. you know, not, not taking too seriously or that's not a good phrase, not getting out of balance with the level of truth versus grace. Truth is a still needed and necessary part of the Christian journey. Um, John one fourteen, Justin, read that for us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Because Jesus himself was full of both grace and truth. And uh, the counter portion of the conversation from what we were just talking about, where there's abundance of truth and law and all those things, but we're lacked a part of the conversation that has grace. The counter to that is if you only have grace, but you don't have a respective enough or high enough level of truth to match that grace, uh, you fall prey to um, kind of what Tim Keller was talking about in this quote, where he said, if you, uh, if you, uh, sorry, if your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So if your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version yeah. of yourself. And man, what a, uh, yeah, I've like, heard that before. I've seen that quote before and I've seen variations of it that I don't know but there was variations from him, but especially you start like in a political conversation, like, you know, if you think that God would vote for your candidate, you're probably not worshiping God, <laughs> you know, oh, facts, that type of, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That so, can go pretty deep though. 
Well, yeah, that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Speaking of, we need to get on that. (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, but, so there's this idea of the formula of freedom. The formula of freedom is grace and truth. Grace and truth. Um, And so there's an attraction to grace and truth because together they do three things. We rattled them off on Sunday. Number one, they create unity with God. Um, And you know, trying to help people understand that, uh, together they create a clarity of God. Um, and that was really where we kind of weighed in on the, uh, the woman that was caught in adultery. Mm. You know, we, we kind of surfaced that story where, um, you know, she, she comes in, you know, the Pharisees and the religious crowd at that time, bring her before Jesus. You know, she's had, she's had an, uh, we, we caught her in adultery and he pretty much says, let th- whoever has no sin cast the first stone. Right. Um, and then he reaches down, writes in the sand, um, you know, something, we don't know what it was. And at that point they all turn and walk away and Jesus looks at her and says, who's left to condemn you? And she says, no one. And he says, neither do I go and sin no more. So, did you go into that on Sunday? Here's the thing, uh, for people who weren't listening, I had a uh, issue arise during Sunday service, so I wasn't able to sit in. Um, so I had to, I had to go deal with that. But, um, I w- the the whole writing in the sand. Did you ever, did you ever go over that? Like, I, I went, in, I went, we went into what we believe. What we believe he, he he was likely writing in that sand. His problem, which which I've heard many times, and I've, I kind of almost think that is right. That he was writing the sins out of the people that were yeah were actually uh, most assuredly that was yeah. what he was doing, and we even you know it's kind of one of those things like I, it is my belief that he was probably writing the names of the, the mistresses names. of yeah. the of the men of the that people. brought him yeah. there, and uh, so yeah, but but I think this is the beautiful picture of exactly what we're talking about with grace and truth. Grace says neither do I condemn you. Right. Like who's here to condemn you? She says no one. Grace from Jesus is when he says neither do I. But truth says, now go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. And we all need that in our life where people extend grace to us the same way God is extending grace to us. Yep. But there has to be someone and something, there has to be a drive on the inside of us. And as Christians, as believers, there should be something on the inside of us that, that yes, receives the neither do I condemn you from the Lord, but then the go and sin no more takes root in our heart the turning away repentance is not apologizing. And I think this is important that we like, Oh yeah. Like Mm. that we understand that repentance isn't saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is changing direction. So when the Bible says to repent and then put your faith in Christ, repenting is turning away from all of those things that separate us from God. So what are the areas of our life that separate us from God? And when we repent of them, we don't apologize for them. We turn away from them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we repent um, and then we step into uh, you know grace and truth as it carries us, and it's a formula of constant freedom for us. So because we've seen that, but then the other side, like we've talked about before, and we've all been you know we've all been actually yeah we've all been youth pastors or youth leaders to some extent, um, each one of us right now, and even in that, like man, I, I remember just seeing a, some teenagers and even adults nowadays, honestly, in this constant rut of grace. They're in this revolving door, this perpetuating cycle of grace where they just keep doing the same things over and over. Now, don't get me wrong. We all have areas of our life that we struggle with. 
But I'm talking about like this just desire to not really care that the Bible tells us not to do something, not really care that it separates us from God, not really care um, about any of those things and just kind of continue to live that life. And, And I believe that that is an unhealthy, wrong perspective because mm-hmm. it leaves us, it doesn't just put us in a revolving door, but it actually puts us in a stale prison. Yeah. Um, because if we only receive grace, but we never receive truth, it puts us in a stale prison. That's why small groups are so important. No doubt. That's why this is part of the Better Now series, because we need people in our life to call us out on our garbage. Like we need people that can tell us like, hey, you know, like we need people to be able to speak truth. And I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like a, a random stranger walking up to me and calling out my flaws. Nah, because I'll call them back on you. <laughs> so, I don't necessarily need... I need a, you to invest a little bit in me first. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I need you to know me. Yeah. Oh, and that's the whole point. It's yeah, like right. We, we need those relationships, you know? Like... um you know, we're all, we're all in small groups together. Like number one, we work together. So it feels like a small group in and of itself. And it's not once a week, that's once a day. Uh, but <laughs> even, even after that, like, uh, you know, we're in a lot of small groups together, but man, like we've all witnessed it already. I mean, oh, yeah. in, in some of our small groups, you know, uh, John, it's funny because in some of our groups, like I think about like us with Anthony and Jawan mm-hmm. and like some of the mothers, um, you know, the way we call each other out is in like this sarcastic kind of way, but it's always got a, a hefty level of truth yeah. to it. <laughs> so it's like, you need to get your act together. Ha ha ha. No, really. You need to get your no, act really. together. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think about that too, because yeah, I, man, I don't want people calling me out for that don't don't have enough love for me to care for me. Like if you're not going to celebrate my victories, don't be there for my defeats. It's true. You know what I'm saying? Good. And, uh, no, no, sir. (laughs) Like I, I want, you know, I I want people that are going to rock with me for a while. If, if you're ready, you know what I mean? If you're going to be there to help me celebrate, uh, where God does something great, then I can hear from you whenever there's something you need to speak into my life. But inevitably people run from that, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys, I do know you, I'm sure you've experienced that, man. People run from truth though. Like even if you have a great relationship, they run from truth. Oh yeah. That's a, I'm honestly, I'm honestly dealing with that right now, uh, with the person that we were talking about earlier. Um, so, Uh, yeah, moving on. uh, (laughs) So, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, but it, it's, it's it's real, man. Like people run from truth. People run from truth. It's, it's uncomfortable. No one likes it. But it's needed. It's a necessary embrace, and that's what people need to grab a hold of. And, well, because you know. so much of that though too is like, we want to put the the reason things are bad or the reason uh, whatever. It's it's always something's at fault mm-hmm. other than me a lot of times. Or it's easier to say I'm like this because of this or this happened or I, you know, it's always you know. But that that helps put it into perspective, like regardless of the the exterior circumstance right you still have a choice in how you handle it what you do yeah you know your behaviors those type of things so let's talk about it for a second because this is my perspective i didn't preach on i didn't bring this up sunday but i'll bring it up here um because i here's what i think happens in the church i think most of the old heads um or like people that have been saved a while um you know most of them tend to be generally pretty heavy on truth and they kind of lack a little bit of grace Mm-hmm. I believe young cats, for the most part, are for the most part abundant in grace, but they usually lack like a little bit truth. of truth, right? So here's what I found: I see a lot 
the re- I see a lot of people coming to the church. Now, not necessarily TC, but I think it to a degree can apply to every church and we're included in that. What I think is happening is because people who didn't grow up in the small groups environment, uh, when I say that they were in small groups and didn't realize it, um, whether it was Sunday school classrooms or whatever, now we've just put them in living rooms and coffee shops. But they, because they're going, I don't need those relationships in my life. I have enough of them. They don't ever become part of a small group. And what they're not realizing is we may not need you. you. You may not need the relationships here for your accountability, but we need you to help hold people accountable. Yeah. And I'm, man, like, I, I think if, if, if I may here for a second, um, <laughs> yes, <you should. laughs> I think that there are so many believers and maybe I'm going to take age out of the equation. I think most of the people who oppose things like small groups and healthy relationships are the ones going, we really need people to be more like Christ. We need this younger generation to have better character. Mm. They have no integrity. They don't know what it means to follow through with their word. They're lazy. Yet when they have an opportunity to speak into every one of those areas of young people's lives, they bail. Hmm. And listen, God told us to do two things. Yep. Say preach the gospel. Make disciples. Make disciples. Right? So if you out there, listener, regardless of your generation, I don't care if you're twenty, I don't care if you're fifty five, if you're not getting into environments where you can preach the gospel and make disciples, both of those things happen in relationships. And the best way to do that is in small groups. Jesus had a small group. Um, the disciples were part of small groups. So if you think that you're not, that small groups aren't for you, then you just aren't into what God was doing. God so, himself is a small group. The Trinity, baby. Oh, so, it is. <laughs> so, but here's what I'm getting at. God called us to preach the gospel and make disciples. So here's the one thing that I have found out that most old heads in the church don't do well. They don't preach the gospel because they just go to church on Sundays and they don't make disciples. But they're super churchgoers. Listen, mm. God does not hold you accountable for what you do. He holds you accountable for what he asked you to do. Mm-hmm. And for all of us, that means preaching the gospel and making disciples. And so, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're 20. I don't care if you're 60. Whoever you are, if you're a believer, you should have an active role in small groups, either because you need to be discipled or because you are ready to make disciples. But not going is not an option because Jesus mandated it to us. So we do that as Christians. Mm. And and those two things happen most of the time separately. Like if you're if you're True. listening and you're a pastor, you're not discipling your congregation while you're preaching to them on Sunday morning. No one disciples their yeah. congregation from a platform. Right. So ever. so they're 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 two two different Two, two different things happening. Yeah. I would. And there's overlap, I think, with some. Yeah. But, but. Oh, yeah, sure. You know. I would make the argument that disciple making is almost entirely a life based environment. Mm-hmm. Like you are watching 
if I'm discipling someone, I'm teaching them how to love their wife based on who Jesus is by how I love mine. And I model that. And when I fail, I fail in front of them and they can call me out on it. Like I, to me, that's the prime, uh, that's what discipleship looks like. I mean, some people even go into like missional communities and all of those things. Like, I think all of that is applicable to what we're talking about. No doubt. Cause the reality is we have to create environments where grace and truth can come alive. True. And grace and truth are a necessity of getting where God wants us to be. And we can only be better now if we're operating in freedom. And the formula of freedom is grace and truth. And so as we operate in grace and truth, the third thing is together they create true freedom in God. And, um, you know, I kind of made the, the note that grace surrounds us to help us flourish, but the presence of truth actually makes us free Mm. and for people who don't for people who aren't receiving grace truth feels like a prison but when grace is present truth actually brings freedom yeah so it's important that we understand man that that's what god has for us that's what he wants for us that's the formula he has grace that he's here to cover us with that regardless of what we've been through what we've done whatever decision we made he can cover that with love mercy and grace um, but also truth to say all right now that I've covered that in grace, don't go and do that again. Not because you have to earn my love, but because you've already got it. You need to walk in that. I think that's huge, man. And that's how I, I remember my dad. My, I remember my greatest fear growing up wasn't my dad with a belt. It was that look on his face of disappointment. And I was just like, hmm. you know, when I knew I messed up, like when I knew that I let him down, like that is what that terrified me more than any like you know spanking or grounded or whatever like i i hated the idea that i could disappoint him um and i think more people need to live their christian life not afraid of whether or not god might smite us but just strictly in the state of we may disappoint him Mm -hmm. so and i think that's where grace and truth uh can really come alive so show and if there's anyone who's listening to this that goes to our church and it's not part of a small group Please. Let me just tell you, if you're just going to church and not being a part of a small group, you're missing out on a lot you of are. growth personally, growth spiritually, like for Tell real. That. Tell that. And I'm, I, I'm as speaking from experience. Exper- a literal experience. Yeah. Like I needed that in my life and I'm so glad that I was able to come into this church and receive that. So, Amen. And now you're a part of it. You lead a small group now. I do. Yep. So... Fantastic. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. Justin, tell them where they can find more of us. You can find us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. All right. John, half stack. Just really Instagram, John W. Sap. John W. Sap. Two P's. Two P's. Two P's because he's a half stack. (laughs) I guess that makes no sense, but (laughs) yeah, go back to... Sometime in January, we got to explain your half Johnny stack. Johnny Stack. That was a 15-minute intro of John's yes. nickname. It was hilarious. Good times. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We are going to be back again next week with uh, another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. See, See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com.
For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.